God's people say it. Grab your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter number 1. Uh, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to be in the house of the Lord. I tell you, it, it's, it's, it's one thing to be in the Lord's house, but it's another thing when He's present. Because <clears throat> I've been in here when He ain't. <clears throat> and this is a spooky place, I ain't going to lie. But when He's there and His presence is there, you say, why is He here? Because you're here. Because you're here. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there in the midst will I be. And if you come and you praise Him, the Bible says that, that God inhabiteth the praises of His people. Amen. Amen. I want to I wanna preach a little while this morning. Uh, we're going to maybe start through a book of the Bible and, and, and preach through it a little while. Uh, but I, I have really been sensing the Holy Spirit leading me, uh, not just from Sunday mornings, but a Wednesday night Bible study. It just seems like everything is tagging on each other. Uh, everything you see is negative. Everything you see... You look at Turkey, Turkey, for instance, and what's going on there. Uh, there's a whole lot more to that than meets the eye in what's, what's happening in end times. I truly believe we are in the end times. The Bible says in the last days, perilous times shall come. Are y'all with me? In the last days, the Bible says it will be as in the days of Noah. If you go back and look in, in, in the very beginning of your Bible, you'll find out that the days of Noah were marked by wickedness. Unbelievable wickedness, not only wickedness, but violence. Violence. Everywhere you turn, there is violence. Everywhere you look, there is violence. Uh, and we, we are seeing some crazy stuff. Now, uh, here's the thing. As God's people, as God's people, this should not come as a surprise to us. It should not come as a surprise to us. Because God said this was going to happen. And as God's people, we should not be wigging out whatsoever. We should not be losing our minds. We should not be needing Valium. We should not be getting carried away. We should not burn down Facebook with everything we're afraid of. Because God does not give the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Now, I'm here to tell you, it's all right. Everything's going to be all right. I, 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 I was studying, and, and I'm telling you, I truly, truly believe the Holy Spirit has led me to this particular portion of Scripture uh, for this particular hour and what we're facing and what we're dealing with. Uh, Peter is addressing an issue. He is writing this letter as a letter of encouragement. How many of y'all could use some encouragement? Man, I love encouragement. I love encouragers. And this letter of encouragement was for the fact that they were fixing to go through some severe, severe persecution. And in, in chapter number 4, I think verse 12, he calls it a fiery trial. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. You see, in A.D. 64, uh, Nero, I, many believe, was instrumental in burning Rome. Uh, his, his lust to build and, 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 and that, he calls an issue and he blamed it on the Christians. He blamed the burning of Rome. So here we have Rome burnt to the ground, people helpless and hopeless, and, and all they know is the Christians did it. So this begins an official persecution against the church. From A.D. 64, for about 248 years, the church was persecuted under the ten different specific Roman emperors. The last one, Diocletian, was the worst one of all. 
They would take Christians and boil them in oil. They would take Christians and put them in an arena and burn them at the stake. They would take Christians and take their children and wrap them in animal skins and turn wild dogs loose upon them while the parents watched. They would take Christians and fillet them alive. They took Christians and put them in nets and swung them in the middle of an arena and turned wild, crazy bulls loose to bash them and bash them till there was nothing but a pile of bones. Wild people cheered. Now we think ISIS is something new. And what they are doing today to Christians today is something barbaric and new. Listen, it was all the way back then. And Peter knows this. He knows what they're going through by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And God is instructing and helping him. And this is where we get this letter, 1 Peter. So with that background information, I want to do a little bit today. Let's, let's study uh, the first part of 1 Peter. And I believe we'll be glad that we can say we came to the house of the Lord today. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Verse number 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers. If you have a Bible that you can write in, underline that word, strangers. To the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctification of the Spirit, in obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. So we know he's talking to save people. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively, what's that word? A hope. A hope. You see, they're fixing to go through devastating persecution. Unbelievable trials of affliction. But he's trying to give them some, some hope. We have hope, he says, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved, in heaven for you. I want you to underline the word inheritance. It says, verse 5, who are kept, say that with me, who are, underline that word, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, underline that, if need be, B, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith be much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of, full of glory. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in this place. Lord, I don't deserve it. I haven't earned it, but I sure am grateful for it. Thank you for your touch. Thank you for your anointing. God, I pray that you'll guide my mind and my thought process, Lord. Help me to say what you want me to say. Help me to forget things I shouldn't say. Help me to stay in the Spirit and not get carnal. I pray your perfect will be done in this place. God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In 1784, Benjamin Franklin headed a commission in France to investigate the mysterious powers of mesmerism. 
he noted in the commission's final report, this is what he come up with after all his studies. He said, hope is an essential constituent of human life. In other words, if human life is going to be what it needs to be and be what it should be, there should be hope. Say that with me. There should be hope. There was a, there was a biologist, a, a, uh, a researcher, a professor at Johns Hopkins uh, University in the 1950s. His name was Kurt Richter. Kurt Richter uh, did, did a, a series of uh, experiments. He did a series of testing on mice. He would take mice, he would take a group of mice, and he put them in a, a cylinder of water where they could not get out, and it was above their head. It was, it was you know, enough where they could not touch bottom. And he would put the, this group of mice in the, in the water and make them swim. And he, as he researched it, it, just a little while, in a matter of minutes, in a matter of minutes, the mice would give up and drown. They would quit swimming. They would quit making an effort to live. They would give up and drown. So he took another group of mice. I mean, this is within a matter of minutes. Some within two minutes, some within 15 minutes. They, they died, they drowned. Then he took another group of mice, same amount, uh, same group out of the same type of mice, put them in the same cylinder and, and caused them to swim. But right before, right before they exhausted themselves, he took them out and he, he dried them off, gave them a little bit of something to eat, held them a minute, and then put them back in there. And they swam for 60 hours. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? Almost three days, they swam, and they swam, and they swam, and they swam. And this was the conclusion that, that Mr. Richter came up with. He said, when you removed hopelessness and gave them a reason to swim, they did not die. He said they simply needed a reason to keep swimming. Now, I said all that to say this. We are going to face some hard times. We are going to go through some difficult days. The fiery furnace is coming to the Christian in America. We are going to face trials and tribulation. According to Peter, he said, It is a fiery trial which is to try you. Perilous times shall come. It's going to get difficult. It's going to get hard. It's going to get heartbreaking. And some of you are going to be tempted to lose hope. But I came this morning to give you some reason to keep swimming. When the devil tells you to stop. When the devil tells you you're not going to make it. When the devil tells you to get up and throw in the towel. Throw in the white flag. I'm here to tell you, keep swimming, honey. Keep swimming. Peter said there's going to be difficult days ahead. Fiery trials which are to try you. He said, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when it gets hard. Don't be surprised when it gets difficult. Don't be surprised when things don't go your way and things get hard. Everything's going to be all right. And the whole point of these first few verses was to give them hope. To give them hope. Matter of fact, uh, approximately two years after he wrote this, Peter had to watch while the Romans crucified his wife. And this was his words, according to tradition, remember the Lord. As she was being crucified in his presence, he said, honey, remember the Lord. Then they turned around and crucified him. 
and he begged them and said, I'm not worthy to be crucified, my Lord, please turn me upside down. And according to tradition and writings and historical writings, they turned his cross upside down and crucified him upside down. But this same man says, hey, there's hope. There's hope. If you are saved, if you are a child of God, there is hope. Say amen. amen. Let, me give you, let me give you just a few reasons this morning and we'll pray. We'll pray. Number one, <clears throat> in verse number one, the Bible says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the... Okay, all right, all of you, here we go. To the... Strangers. That word is the word sojourn. Sojourn. As a matter of fact, if you keep on down to verse 17, he says, If ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. You say, preacher, when it gets hot, when it gets difficult, when it gets hard, when, when, when it seems like life is hopeless, what do we need to remember? Number one. We all need to remember, if we are a child of God, if we are saved, if we are born again, number one, we need to remember, we are pilgrims. We are pilgrims. You say, what does that mean? That means we are a sojourner. We are pilgrims passing through. When I was a little kid, we used to sing a song. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. When everything falls apart here on this earth, when all of the governments fall apart here on this earth, when all the economies crash here on this earth, when everything seems to be going to hell in a handbasket on this earth, you can stand up and proudly say with all confidence, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm a sojourner. I'm a pilgrim. This is not my final resting place. I've got a place waiting on me. I'm a pilgrim passing through. I may be standing in Alabama, but I'm a citizen of heaven. I may be here in a difficult hour, in a difficult day, but I have my name written on a roll in glory. I have a place in heaven waiting on me. I'm just a pilgrim passing through. Abraham said it in faith according to Hebrews chapter number 11. He said, I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. I may be dwelling in a tent right now. Everything I have is temporary. Everything I have is mobile. But one day, honey, I'm looking for a place that's got foundation the city of God. Preacher, my life's falling apart. Everything's been taken from me. Honey, you're just passing through. That's enough right there. We go home, amen? But we ain't, <laughs> amen. We're pilgrims. This is, not, this is not it. You know, I think sometimes we get so wigged out as a Christian because... We get too attached to this world. We get too attached to our belongings. We get too attached to, and we have, we have, you know what? Uh, the the the, how do I word this? The more seasoned people in here, y'all with me? You know the people with hair that's got more salt than pepper in it. Y'all with me? Or no salt at all, amen, whatever. 
You love when your wife goes rubbing your head, amen? You know, that's a dead giveaway. Don't do that when the preacher's looking, amen? <laughs> Think about this. Does it not seem like yesterday that you couldn't wait to get your driver's license? Or you couldn't wait to be out on your own? You know what I wondered? I, I don't know. I've just been thinking about this lately. What in the world did we have such a problem with when we were in kindergarten with taking naps? What in the, What was we thinking? Does anybody feel that way too? Let me tell you something. The Bible says your life is like a vapor. We're just here a little while, guys. We're pilgrims. He said to the strangers, the sojourners, the pilgrims. You know why he used that word? He wanted them to understand, hey, you're just passing through. And by the way, this is kind of ironic, but all those places listed right there, do you know what that is? That is modern-day Turkey. The places he is addressing right now is modern-day Turkey. The Christians that were in modern-day Turkey. Uh, now, man, come on. Pilgrims. Preacher, what, what should give us hope? Well, to know this is not our home. This, this is not our home. Our home is in heaven. We're pilgrims passing through. Number two, write this down. I love this part. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. To and... Come on, everybody. To and... Inheritance. You see, we're not only pilgrims, but we are promised. We are pilgrims, but number two, we are promised. We have an inheritance. What kind of inheritance? An incor incorruptible, undefiled, and the fadeth not away, reserved. Y'all with me? When it's reserved, that means nobody can sit at your table. Nobody can get their grubby hands on it. The economy can't take it away. And people that mishandle hedge funds can't take it away. They cannot tax it. Are y'all with me? An inheritance. Now you say, why is this so significant? Because Christians began to be persecuted. One of the first things Diocletian did was to kick all the Christians out of the military. He began to force them to try to accept their cultural wickedness. Does that sound familiar? Then he began affecting their economic ways by taking away their jobs. Now listen, when you have your, your means taken away, your ability to, to, to make a living, your ability to have money to buy supplies or to buy food or to buy shelter. Man, you're in a bad way. But Peter says, don't sweat it. You have something waiting on you that Rome can't touch. You have an inheritance. An inheritance. Now, here's the thing. You know what's cool about this? 
I love the part, I love all of it, but I love the part that says that fadeth not away. Do you know when you buy a brand new vehicle and the moment you drive it off the lot, it has faded? If you don't believe it, take it back and trade it in. And do you realize, don't you love that new car smell? Just get in there and just... Guess what that does? It fades away. Guess what happens to the paint? It fades away. Guess what happens with the motor? It fades away. Guess what happens to your house? It fades away. Do you realize every single thing on this planet fades away? It's all corruptible. It's all a part of the curse. Everything we have, the moment, doctors say, the moment you are born, you begin a process of dying. Everything on this planet is dying. But there is a place that has something reserved for you that is undefiled. It's incorruptible. It fadeth not away. And it's held reserved for all of God's people. Listen, this inheritance, it involves some things. It involves a place. It involves a place. John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You remember this is when, this is when in John 13, when, when, when the, Jesus told the disciples he's going to have to die and leave them, and they was all broke down about it and tore up and upset. And, and what, You're leaving? I mean, they done left everything to follow this man for three and a third years. And you're leaving? He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Preacher, what are you saying? I am inheriting a home in heaven. I am inheriting a mansion in glory. I am inheriting a place all of my own. It is prepared personally for me by the Lord Jesus Christ. He knows every hair on my head. He knows every like and dislike I have. And he's taking all that into consideration. And he is building me a place. Yes, amen. There is no mortgage, there is no taxes, there is no insurance needed because it's a home in glory. I have a home in glory that outshines the sun. Amen. I might just start singing here in a minute. Amen. Where's Jalen at? He ain't in here, is he? It involves a place. Well, preacher, we're fixed to be homeless. No, not as long as you're a pilgrim. Not as long as you're a pilgrim. Listen, as long as you're a pilgrim, you're never homeless. You're just out of town. How many of y'all, y'all went away this year? How many of y'all went away, like, to the beach or to the mountains? Or Come on, raise your hand. Don't be ashamed. <clears throat> How many of y'all, does anybody do like I do, that, that you have, like, markers along the way that you know about where you are when you get to a certain place? Maybe a certain truck stop or maybe a certain, you know, the big peach, you know. You, you, you just got places that, you know, and, and, and when you're coming home, when you're coming home and, and you just can't wait to get home. And when you get to that first marker, boy, I'm closer than I ever was. I still got a long way to go, but we're making headway. Then you get about that halfway point. Then you start feeling excited. And you know things are starting to pick. And boy, you get to that last marker. Son, we almost home. It's a downhill slide. Hey, guys. I come to tell you this morning, keep swimming because we're almost home. Your inheritance involves a place. <clears throat> it involves a place. 
Your inheritance involves a presentation. A presentation. The Bible says, when the chief shepherd shall appear, we shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. You know what Paul said? He said, I fought a good fight. I fought a good fight. I've, he said, I've run my race. I've kept the faith. He said, henceforth there is a crown of righteousness, or a crown that's laid up for me. Do you realize that we are going to be rewarded when we get to glory? Every man shall be judged according to his works. I am going to inherit blessings. I'm going to inherit rewards. There is something waiting on me. I wish I could say I was so spiritual, I just did it because I love Jesus. I do love Jesus. But I'm thankful that God's got rewards waiting on His children. Don't quit swimming. There's something waiting on you. Don't quit till you get to the finish line. There's a reward waiting on the other side. Your inheritance involves a place. It involves a presentation. We will be presented with rewards when we get to heaven. But this is a good one here. <clears throat> Your inheritance involves a, a perfecting, a process, whatever word you want to use here. A perfecting. Say, so what does that mean? <clears throat> here, here's, here's what it means. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. He says this because he said, I really can't explain it. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. That means die. We're not all going to die. But we're all going to be changed. <laughs> in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Preacher, what's the point? <clears throat> Here's the point. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 says this, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. They shall rise first, and we shall be caught up together to be with them in the clouds. What does that mean? At the moment of the rapture, at the moment of the trumpet sound, we shall all be chained. Preacher, what are you saying? I won't need glasses anymore. I won't need, listen, I won't need medicine anymore. This corruptible body that's falling apart, this corruptible body, this aging and letting me down in more ways than one, say amen. This corruptible body that gives us a fit all of the time. This corruptible body that hurts and painful. This corruptible body that we have to deal with. One day when that trumpet sounds, we shall be chained. You say, what are we going to be? Well, John said it like this. Beloved, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. It doth not yet appear what we shall be. But when we see Him, we shall be like Him. I don't know exactly what I'm going to be, but I'm going to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Job said this, Though the skin worms destroy this body of mine, yet in my flesh I shall see God. Somebody say amen. I know my Redeemer lives. Say amen. <clears throat> I don't know about y'all, but I'm going to keep swimming. Keep swimming. 
Because what's waiting on us is going to be more glory than what we're going to have to endure. How do you know that? How many of y'all know Paul was a redneck? <laughs> Come on. Raise your hand. You, did you know that? I got proof. I got proof. This is what he said. He said, for I reckon. <laughs> you don't believe me? Get your concordance out. And if you have a good Bible, it will say, for I reckon that the sufferings this present time cannot be compared with the glory that, oh, are y'all with me? There is no heartache. There is no pain. There is no tear you ever shed. There's no difficulty you'll ever face. There's no valley you'll ever tread through. There's no darkness you'll ever have to deal with that can be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in the day when we see the Lord Jesus Christ. The day when we make our change and the corruption shall put on incorruption and the mortal shall put on immortal. Somebody say amen. What's the point? It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Listen, I, I was in a wedding <clears throat> yesterday. His first wedding I've been in, I, I, don't, I don't even remember, because most of the time I'm having to do it. They said, would you rather do one or be in it? I said, be in it. whole lot less pressure, amen. <laughs> and, and, and for the grooms, the grooms people, they, the, Friday we had to go, you know, do the spend the day with the groom and all that, and, and, and they took us to a go-kart track. <clears throat> a souped-up one. They didn't realize that the preacher don't like to lose. And when the guy that owns the racetrack says no bumping, that's just a suggestion. <clears throat> Man, I felt like days of thunder, y'all. I ain't going to lie. They said, start them up, flip my visor down, I'm ready. But you know what? Riding them go-karts costs a lot of money. They said, hey, we're going to take the groom and we're going to ride go-karts. I said, yeah. And by the way, it costs. I said, what? Now, I ain't going to lie, it kind of broke me down a little bit. Until we drove. And when we got through, I was ready to get my debit card. Say amen. <laughs> they said, did it cost? Yeah. Let this lady come in. Honest to God, this is exactly how. Y'all think I make this stuff up, but I don't make nothing up. <laughs> this lady come in with her little boy. She looked, you know, looking kind of nervous, and she looked up there, and I know what happened. I know what happened because I had the same problem. She looked up, and she saw the cost, and she just kind of had that fadeaway look in her eye. I said, ma'am, have no fear. Pay it. It's worth every dime. <laughs> and apparently she didn't believe me because she turned around and walked out. <laughs> Guys, keep swimming. I promise you it's going to be worth it. Preach, you don't know what I'm going through, but I'm telling you, I'm telling you it's worth it. Paul said it's worth it. It's worth it. I got, <laughs> can you imagine 
No, no, no. Let me hear. Number, number, number three. No. Number three. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got time. Look at number five. Number five. The Bible says we're pilgrims in verse one. It says in verse four, it says we are promised an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away. It's reserved in heaven for you. Then the Bible says this, verse 5, Who are, say it with me, who are kept? Who are kept? The word kept means guarded or shielded. Guarded or shielded. In John 17, 11, it says this, And now, just as Jesus is speaking in, in his prayer to the Father for his people and his disciples, and those that would be disciples, he says, now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. Now, now, while Jesus was here, he protected them. He calmed them. He encouraged them. He fed them when they were hungry. Anytime they had an issue, y'all with me? He took care of them. But Jesus said, now I'm leaving. I got to go. He's speaking to his father. He said, now I'm no more in the world, but these are in the world. I come to thee. He said, Dad, I'm coming home. Now watch what he says. Keep. Say it with me. Say it again. Keep through thine own name those who thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. You know what he's saying? Guard them. Shield them. Keep them. It's the same word. It's the same word that we use in Philippians chapter number 4. When it says, when it says, Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall, shall, say it, shall, shall keep. In other words, we'll stand guard over your mind. The Bible says we are kept by the power of God. What does that mean? There's no devil, there's no demon, there's no work, there's no power on earth that can touch you when you are in the hand of your Father. We are kept. By the power of God. We are protected by the power of God. We are in God's hand. He is our Father. He will protect us. I'm telling you what. You want to mess with me? Mess with one of my kids. If you mess with one of my kids, you're going to have big problems. You know why? I'm their father. It is my job. It is my responsibility to take care of them. And God says, I am your father. I will guard you. I will shield you. I will keep you. You are kept by the power of God. What Peter is telling the church, he said, listen, you're going to go through fiery trials. You're going to go through difficult days. You're going to go through hardships and heartaches. But have no fear. Keep swimming. Keep hope because he will keep you and keep you saved. You're kept by the power of God. You say, but what about those that were martyred? They went to heaven. One of the greatest preachers in America was threatened by somebody that didn't like his preaching. said, I'm going to kill you. And you know what he said? Don't threaten me with heaven. You got to get this. The devil's gunpowder cannot burn till God gives it permission. What about the fiery furnace? They walked around unharmed. The only thing burned on them was what had them tied up. What about the den of lions? What about David in the valley of the giant? I'm here to tell you, you're kept 
you're going to be okay. What if the economy crashes so we don't go to Carabas? <laughs> Have you had the joy lately of a peanut butter and banana sandwich? Have you wrapped your lips around a fried bologna sandwich lately? I just had a mater sandwich. How many of y'all know what a mater sandwich is? If you don't, you can't be a member here. I'm kidding now. I'm kidding. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. I just looked over and seen Steve Humphreys and it come out of me. I don't know what happened. They say you start acting like who you're hanging around. I got to, you know... Maybe, maybe God's going to call us to simpler times and simpler days. God's going to take care of us. We may be eating potatoes and steak, but I tell you what, it's pretty good stuff. No matter what, we are kept by His power. How many of y'all remember, remember when the tornado come through? Y'all remember that? I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. It kind of spooked me a little bit. Not, not, not necessarily the tornado itself. After I seen all that it, it could do and the power it had and all that, that's not what spooked me. <clears throat> what spooked me is, is how fast, how fast normal, everyday community people started panicking. And you know what they were panicking over? Not being able to get gas. After we was out of electricity one or two days, and, 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 and I mean, they were, they were getting guns pulled on them at the gas station. You know what that was? That wasn't a great need for gas. It was fear. It was panic. Y'all with me? In the midst of all of that, we were cooking. I don't know why I'm going to just tell the story because it's coming to my mind right now. We were cooking up at the high school. We were cooking. Then they moved us to the, to the, 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 the fairgrounds. But why was at the high school? God, it's amazing. We were sitting there, and, and Travis said, here's the last eggs we got. And I just told him, I said, well, cook what we got, and we'll be done. We ain't got no else to cook. That's what we got. Somebody overheard it, made a phone call, and a guy come up and had dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of eggs. I mean, just tons of eggs. People started bringing us food because their refrigerator was going to go bad, and they just emptied it. They said, maybe, maybe. listen, do you understand? Restaurants started bringing us food. And I'm not talking about Pop-Tarts. I'm talking about steak and shrimp. I ate better during that time than I do on a regular basis. The guy from Chanley's, Chanley's restaurant, he brought out his grill and his chefs and the steaks in his freezer and was cooking them up. And people would come up and they would cook. I'm talking about steaks, baby, steaks. And everybody said, oh, that church is just serving God. They're up there suffering for Jesus. I said, yeah, we are. We're suffering for Jesus, man. Woo! (laughs) 
I'm telling you, God is my witness. That's exactly what happened. You know what God showed me? He said, son, I can give you steak and shrimp in the midst of a disaster. That's just the God we serve. What if everything falls apart? Everything did. Nobody had power. Nobody had electricity. Couldn't hardly drive nowhere. They were rationing gas, and we was eating steak. <laughs> Hand on the Bible. Some of y'all act like that. I'm telling you, that happened. was there anybody in the house that was with us during that time? Am I telling the truth? Yeah. You're kept by the power of God. Now, let me say this. This is the last one. i got to hurry. Lastly, what, 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 what were the number one? We are pilgrims. Number two, we are, we're promised. Number three, we are preserved. Number six, we are preparing. Write that down. I know it's going to sound crazy, but this is, this is the deal. We are preparing. Look in verse number, <clears throat> verse number six. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be. Very important three words. If need be. Ye are in heaviness. That means a hard time. That means a difficult. That don't mean your, your washer quit working. It means you are in a grieving situation, a heaviness. Through the manifold, that means many variety trials. This is not temptations to do wickedness. This is trials. This is hardships. This is difficult days, difficult hours. Is everybody with me? Say amen. It says that the trial of your faith. Now this word trial is the word testing. It's different than the word temptations. This word trial means testing, to put to test. The trial of your faith. Being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. I want to read you, I want to read you a, a portion of a, a, a commentary, Warren Wiersbe. He says, We must keep in mind that all God plans and performs here is preparation. Say that with me. Is for what He has in store for us in heaven. He is preparing us for the life and service yet to come. Nobody yet knows all that is in store for us in heaven, but this we do know. Life today is a school in which God trains us for our future ministry in eternity. This explains the presence of trials in our lives. They are some of God's tools and textbooks in the school of Christian experience. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. God will put you through trials. To test your faith. Not so he can see where your faith is, so you can see where your faith is. You know, the Bible tells a story about seeds that were planted in shallow ground, and, and, and because they had no root, they sprung up. Everything looked great on the surface, but when the heat came, they withered and died because there was no root. There was no real faith. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people come in the house of God and make a profession, but there was no real faith. And when a trial came, a tragedy came, a difficulty came, they withered and died. And this, this is the thing. God allows us to go through trials. God allows us to go through great difficulty so we can see where our faith is. So we can see whether we have genuine faith or not. 
I don't know about you, but I want God to be pleased with my faith. But you'll never know what kind of faith you have till you have to use it. My father told me this out of his own mouth. He said, I preached for 25, 30 years about faith. And I don't think I ever truly knew what it was till I had to live it. And that's when he moved up here and had no income whatsoever coming in. And when he got sick and had to move here. till he had to exercise it. Preacher, what are you saying? Some of you may be going through a difficulty because God is wanting you to test or exercise your faith. He's preparing you. Your trial is a preparation for things to come. Just like we said Wednesday night. God prepared David with the, the bear, and God prepared David with the lion because one day he was going to take down a giant. Ladies and gentlemen, keep swimming. Keep swimming. One of, the, one of the coolest stories I've ever heard in my life was the story of General Jonathan Wainwright. General Jonathan Wainwright was left in Corregidor. When the Japanese were, were coming in, they were bombing that island and bombing that island. The president ordered General MacArthur to leave and go to the Philippines and try to uh, 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 get reinforcements together to go back. And, it, and, and against great protest, General MacArthur left. And he left General Jonathan Wainwright in charge. Well, after, after repeated bombings and bombings and bombings and bombings to save the bloodshed of his people, General Jonathan Wainwright had to, had to uh, uh, surrender to the Japanese. They took them as prisoners of war. How many of y'all have read about the, the, the Bantam Death March? And how they would go through and they would fall and they were emaciated and they were sick, dehydrated. And if they were too weak to walk, they would fall by the wayside and the Japanese would come and, and stab them and kill them with their bayonets. And here is... General Wainwright, and he is, he is skin and bone, giving him just enough rations to keep him alive. And he'd give him the information he was allowed to give him, and that was it. And Japan surrendered. Japan surrendered. And they had to surrender the sword to General MacArthur on the ship. But he would not allow that to take place till General Jonathan Wainwright was standing by his side. So they came, they went to the prisoners of war camp and came, and they brought him, and he shaved, and he put, he put his, his uniform on the best he could. And he got as sharp looking as he could. Nothing but skin and bones, just a frail figure inside that uniform that used to fit him right now. It was just a cloak over top of him. And he got to stand there at attention as his general accepted the unconditional surrender of the Japanese people. Can you imagine if General Jonathan Wainwright quit swimming? If he would have gave up? If he would have, if he would have just quit and gave up? Can you imagine how he felt? And how proud he was to be standing there when he surrendered the sword. Preacher, what's the point? The point is this. General Douglas MacArthur said, I shall return. Jesus said, I shall return. I'm coming back. 
And the Bible says every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I'm here to tell you, don't quit swimming because one day we're going to stand at Jesus' side while the devil, Beelzebub, Lucifer, old Slewfoot himself, the one that has been giving you grief and suffering your whole life, he's going to bow his knee before the Lord Jesus Christ and say, Jesus is Lord. Keep swimming. Don't quit swimming. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. It's going to be worth it. Everything's going to be all right. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you hope today. Don't quit swimming. Let's give God praise and glory in His house. Everybody stand. Come on, everybody stand. Come on, give Him praise. If you're glad to be saved. If you're glad you're kept by the power of God. If you're glad there's an inheritance that's waiting on you. If you're glad that God is preparing you for something greater to come. Yes, amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy. God, please infuse every person in this room with your touch and with your anointing and with your hope. 